The Athletic. MM stands for Mick McCarthy, not Merlin Magician. Evans will hit it all! That is special! It's magic at Molyneux! Dreaming is for free. Hello and welcome to the Molyneux View podcast with me, Jackie Oatley, and your Wolverhampton Wanderers correspondent for The Athletic, Tim Spears. Hello, Tim. Yes, Jackie Oatley. There he is. (laughs) Two nil down, three two up. 1-0 down, 2-1 up. Just what does happen in the away dressing room at St Mary's on an annual basis? And why do Wolves often produce such vastly contrasting performances between two halves of the same game? We'll ask what on earth Nuno is thinking with that FA Cup lineup, and we'll turn our attentions to Leeds United at home on Friday night. And with a couple of away games to follow after that, both contain unfinished business. Don't they just? To read all the insight Tim offers and his mind-bending analogies, you must be a subscriber to The Athletic. Good timing with the Champions League returning too. Until February 25th, new subscribers can pay half the annual subscription. That's less than a pound a week for an entire year. Go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash Wolves pod. And you can listen to this podcast without the adverts via the app. Tim Spiders, how are you, Flower? Yes, very good. We're here after a positive result. Isn't this nice? Isn't this nice? Let's talk all about it. (laughs) It's nice. Loads of positive results. I mean, seven points from nine in the Premier League. What on earth is that to complain about? There's a bit more to it than that. We'll discuss it all. Now, did you enjoy your, your hotel on the South Coast this weekend? Bit of a change of scenery? A lovely change of scenery to a £40 jury's in in the heart of Southampton and wasn't it delightful it was um oh, it's a bit 28 days later going around the country at the moment um I mean what's that mean it's a film sorry I forgot you don't watch films um unless it's Disney um yeah so like all the kitchen sports documentaries all, yeah. them, just all the kitchen and dining areas and all the seats they're just cordoned off and and completely like lights out and there's just nobody around. I mean, it's completely eerie, and obviously you're confined to your rooms. But I was grateful to to be in a different city, and um, I had a I had a very nice weekend. Oh, well, I'm very very pleased for you, and you're quite the expert on Southampton now. Then, yeah, nice. Hey, do you want to play them next week as well? Every couple of days, That'd be nice. <laughs> what an uh, what a, what an incredible uh, few days. It's never dull, is it? It's never dull. A contentious and, and very frustrating FA Cup exit and then a massive turnaround win in the space of a few days. Never a dull moment. Should we let people into a little secret? On this podcast, they tend to prefer them a little bit shorter than an hour. I think a lot of the other Premier League pods The Athletic do are about 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 45. Every week we struggle to keep it down to an hour, don't we? And our poor producer has to wade through it all afterwards. But there's just always so much to talk about, so many talking points. So let's crack on. Sunday's win, fabulous turnaround, stunning winner from Neto, emotional reaction from Nuno at the final whistle as well. What was your take on it all? I I struggle to remember. You, you, you brought the first half, second half thing up. I struggle to remember a more contrasting first half, second half. Mostly in terms of attitude, I think. That was what was really worrying me in the first half, was they weren't playing like a team, and they looked like they weren't all there. They looked like they were just running through treacle, going through the motions. They looked beaten to me. I was stunned at how different they were in the second half, but for such a kind of big game, you know, after his controversial FA Cup selection, 
it was extremely alarming how they just kind of let Southampton play. They were lucky to be 1-0 down at the break. But then, you've got to say, full credit to Nuno, who, by the way, was getting some horrendous stick. Like, I think I put a tweet out saying, oh, here comes the final half of the match, if it's like second half. And the amount of people that replied saying, oh, what, Nuno's final half as Wolves manager and all this stuff. I know a lot of it's just, you know, no offence to anyone if you did that, but it's a lot of it's just a bit idiotic and playing for likes and whatever. But... But he was getting horrendous stick because if you're going to make such a ballsy call as to drop six first-team players in what most fans consider to be the most important game of the rest of the season, and obviously Nuno sees it very differently, but that's what the fans think, many of them. If you're going to rest six players and then you're going to you're going to oversee that first-half performance, which is pretty much as vapid and as vacuous as they've produced this season. Against Arsenal, it was awful defensively. But that was just down to, to mistakes, really. This was down to, to attitude and sort of, I don't know, professionalism, really. I mean, basic passes going awry at every turn. They were all guilty of it. Mendes, I started watching him. He gave away the ball three times in a minute. Mendes? I'm like... <laughs> Mendes, he's actually playing. Not only does he ship all the players in and out and wheel and deal on Wolves' behalf, but he's actually playing in midfield now. I mean, it was only a matter of time, in fairness. He's so deep in my subconscious, it just it just comes through. Um, Ruben Neves, Jackie Oatley, Ruben Neves, I watched him, started watching him because he's playing so badly. Yeah, three times in a minute he gave the ball away. And I thought, Lance, what, what are you doing? This isn't Wolves. What's happened to you? So, like I say, full credit to Nuno for A, what he did to them mentally at half-time. And they were so much more aggressive and, and creative and positive. Right at the start of the half, they were pressing high up the field. But also this tactical switch, which completely changed the game in Wolves' favour. Neto on the right, Traore on the left. It sounds very simple. You switch your wingers. But there was more to it than that. They both ran at the heart of their Southampton defence. But they also allowed Semedo and Johnny, either side, to make a real difference in stretching Southampton's defence apart to create those gaps which Wolves exploited. Johnny, I thought, was unbelievably good, considering where where he's been, where he's just come back from. I absolutely love the guy. I think his attitude is fantastic. He won like three corners in the space of about 20 minutes or so. Semedo, his shot earns the penalty. So, And, and then you've got Traore and Neto just, just playing absolutely brilliantly. And obviously Neto's goal was just beautiful, to be honest. So a massive tactical switch. They got through the rest of the game. Patricia made a couple of good saves. And yeah, I guess they deserve to win. It's just absolutely mental. And then emotional scenes at full time, like you say, it was a very, very important result because if they'd lost that, the fans would be baying for blood. And to quote you, Tim, in your article on The Athletic, if you're not a subscriber, by the way, you are missing out. For 45 minutes of Valentine's Day, Wolves were the equivalent of a single night in on your own watching Emmerdale and eating a microwavable sausage and mash meal for one that tastes like a combination of roadkill and papier-mâché. The next 45 minutes, a romantic meal out with Kelly Brook in her 1990s prime. Google it, kids. Just maybe not on the family computer, eating a ludicrously expensive fillet steak complete with creamy blue cheese sauce and triple cooked chips. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And you sat freezing in your seat <laughs> Sorry. before they're about to turf you out coming up with this stuff. Well, that's marvellous. Well done, you. <laughs> I was hungry as well, could you tell? <laughs> Beautifully put. I mean, before we go on to talk about all the various other issues... There has been such a stark contrast this season between Wolves' first and second halves. Not always in the same direction, by the way. Sometimes they've been brilliant in the first half, say 
at Brighton, they look like they put the troubles behind them and they come out second half. Matinho dangles a leg in the box and they lose all sense of whatever purpose they were there for. And we've seen it so many times the other way too. Why do you think that is? It's a good question. It's not the first time, as you say. Uh, Chelsea at home, that game that I missed, I remember you, you watched it when they could have been 2 0 down at half time. They ended up winning the game against Chelsea. Uh, Leeds away, a very poor first half, much better second half. Uh, Leicester away, they had an atrocious first half. They had one shot from 50 yards and then they were they were better after the break. It's it's not the first time. I guess you've got to I guess you've got to sort of question motivation maybe of the players if you know they've been instructed and told what to do in the lead up to games and then they're not performing on the back of what they've been told by the manager. Does that kind of lead to these sort of vapid and confidenceless halves? I mean, it's it's difficult to, to analyse, but you've got to look at the players, I think, because more often than not, it's the same system that they're used to. It's the same teammates that they're used to. But they obviously, particularly when they play badly in the first half, they need Nuno to, to, to rouse them. So I think you've got to look at them individually, really. And the problem that they've had this season is coming from behind. They're so much worse at it. Last season, they had this poor habit of falling behind early on and then rousing themselves, often often just at the start of the second half, and the fans would all get whipped up, and it was all kind of a United thing. They earned, I think, 21 points from losing positions last season. This season, Southampton and that Chelsea game aside, they're, they're not really doing that as much. So lots of things to look at. Nothing's the same as last season, let's be honest. It's hard, it's hard to compare the two years. But it's an issue they've got to look at because the amount of 90-minute performances they've produced this season is very, very, very few. Leicester at home was, was pretty decent for the full 90 last weekend. Other than that, you're not getting many. Yeah, Chelsea away was consistent, but it was pure defence and discipline, wasn't it? Similar with Manchester United away, it was kind of similar in that regard. Gary Winslow tweeted, this continual slow start in the first half of games, despite Cody's G-ups, etc. Is this part of Nuno's tactics as it happened so much? Did Sunday paper over the cracks? Now, if you recall that Leeds away game when Wolves were just terrible in the first half. I don't remember them offering anything. And the second half, different story, and they won it. And Conor Cody did come out afterwards and say, well, the manager told us to check them out and suss them out in the first half because they're new to the Premier League and then we knew what we were doing. But that can't be the case every single game. And, and also, Tim, this astonishing statistic, which is the stat for me at the moment, Wolves haven't opened the scoring in their last 14 Premier League games. 14, that's 1-4. They've won three of those now. Only one club have ever, in the history of the Premier League since 1992, had a longer run of games without netting the first goal. That was Manchester City in 1995. They had 60. That's when Man City were really bad, by the way, kids. Yeah, so they got relegated in 96, by the way. Arsenal away in November, when Raul was injured, was the last time that Wolves scored first. If you recall that Triori's cross was headed onto the bar by Dendonka and then Neto scored the rebound. That's incredible. 14 Premier League games without scoring first. What does that tell us? I think it's a combination of yes, Nuno wanting them to ease their way into games, and B confidence. I think I think they I think they've lost faith in their own abilities. You know, I was I remember saying on last week's pod imploring them to get at Southampton. They just conceded nine. Get at them in the early stages. You know, Bully always says that kind of thing. Roll your sleeves up. Get at them. Get in their faces. High intensity start. I don't think they've got the confidence to do that at the moment because. They're so uh, they know they're so fragile defensively as they have been for the past few months that they don't want to open themselves up and, and go for it and concede an early goal because then you know they're already they're already climbing a mountain. So I think that combined with with Nuno's preference for generally easing their way into matches as, as coupled with this incredible statistic, you've got to say that is astonishing. It is astonishing. I think you're right about the confidence situation. 
to my mind, whenever Wolves start positively, it's been very rare lately, but they seem to be a much better side when they do get on the front foot. I'm trying to think of examples of that and I can't think of too many because it feels like it's been a while. But when they have been positive, maybe it was that Arsenal away game. And of course, they have that awful, awful setback with Jimenez being injured early on. But they do seem to be a much better side. And I just wonder what it would take for them to start the game really positively. The next match leads at home, bearing in mind they have got two really tough away games, Newcastle and Villa to come, and try to score that first goal and then keep their shape, be disciplined defensively and then try and, and score again. Because we saw at the weekend when they do actually have a shot, which have been a rarity of late with Nelson Semedo, that it can lead to something. Because when you have a shot, you never know what could happen with deflections, with handballs, penalties, etc. Let's just start with that first goal that they conceded, Tim, which was fabulous from a Southampton point of view. Absolutely horrific from a Wolves point of view. It was, it was awful. Just another point on confidence and positivity. Obviously, it's not as simple as ticking a box and saying, you know, today we're going to be positive, today we're going to be confident. And they have gone through a lot of adversity this season and, and the injuries and change formation and, and, and disappointing results and no fans. You know, they're, they're, they're battling against a lot, really. You mentioned at the top of the pod about Nuno hugging um, some of his backroom staff at full time and looking quite emotional. I mean, Julio Figueroa was one that, that that he really gave a big hug to. Now, this is a man you won't hear Wolves talking about because he's sort of their secret weapon, really. But he's very much a mind coach, and I've written about him before. You know the importance that he has. He's not he's not really a football coach. You know, he comes from um, Barcelona. That's as in as in the club and the university. He's worked over there. He's from Argentina originally, but you won't see him doing much football work. He's very much the way it was portrayed to me, a mind coach. And it was very noticeable that they had a kind of a warm embrace at full-time yesterday. That's unusual. I've not seen that before. And I just wonder, you know, Nuno wouldn't be drawn on this afterwards. He said it's it's a private matter as to why he was emotional at full-time. He didn't want to go into it. But you do just wonder if, you know, with all the problems they've had, confidence issues, bad results, I think this guy will have been playing a crucial role recently. And you maybe wonder what role he's played in the last few days with Nuno maybe doubting himself or the squad doubting themselves after their FA Cup defeat. So like I said, he's not someone they'll talk about. He's a bit of a secret weapon and not many clubs have a man like him in such a senior position. But he plays, a, I wrote about him last year, he plays a very important role with the players, a bit in a psychology sort of role. Um, he helps them with like, their sleep patterns and hypnotherapy sessions during training at, at Compton. He'll, you'll sometimes see that the group will be together in like a circle and they'll have like a mini sleep session because it helps for recovery between games. All, all kinds of things like this. Very, very, very nice man and a very important figure behind the scenes. Sorry to, to digress and not answer your question, but I just thought that's an important point to make. Um, as to how, how relevant this guy is to, to Wolves' emotional sort of fortunes. Yeah, you wrote about him specifically on March 25th last year. Oh, yeah, that was quick. That. I looked it up. <laughs> no, I looked it up this morning before we um, oh, okay. before we recorded because I wanted to have another look back about him because he's the guy you see on the touchline with the bald head. He's always wearing a mask at the moment, um, but he has distinctive glasses as well. And it was very noticeable when I watched it live that that lingering hug from Nuno we know he can be an emotional man but they're not doing hugs and huddles at the moment so that was very much an instinctive thing and an emotional thing and the way he was asked about it very politely and he politely answered as you say that's private but it just is a reminder that we do have to be a little bit careful when we're judging people he's a football manager he's going to be judged on results on performances that's absolutely fine he knows that he expects that he said in his press conference he he knows the fans are good judges they're the best judges 
but equally you don't always know what's going on behind the scenes and it just makes me particularly at the moment with what's going on in the world just makes me a little bit more cautious about judging somebody as a human being and whether they're right for the job at the moment because there are no major signs that he's suddenly the wrong man for the job this season there are so many different factors involved with decisions and results yeah all those things that we went into the subject quite deep a few weeks ago as to the problems Nuno's had those haven't those problems haven't gone away those problems have got worse he hasn't been he hasn't been back to see his family in the last few weeks and there's no sign of him being able to do that in the near future either so he's having a really tough time we all are but yeah you've got to remember that he's having a tough time as, as we all are but it feels like it's a case of getting this season out of the way, getting fans back and getting back to normal next season. But it was very pointed that, yes, they had a kind of a long embrace at full time. And um, I know he plays a very important part behind the scenes, Julio Figueroa, in terms of their mentality and their um, their mental well-being, which, of course, is such an important thing for all of us right now. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Jorian Samedo. Why did they just stand there? There's oh Stuart God. Armstrong, who's I meant oh to pick God. out on the preview pod, by the way. I forgot to mention him, but I really, really like the Scottish international. I love his attitude. Oh, my goodness, the work ethic of that lad and the ability as well. But anyway, really like him. But seriously, he was just allowed to race clear down the left-hand side. Chari just let him go. Samedo barely could be bothered to stick a foot out. And there he was with all the time and space in the world with Dendonka standing miles off him. And Dendonka's got this very upright gait, hasn't he? Leans back, gives the lad way too much space. He does the thing where he puts his arms back. So he yeah, it looks like an ostrich. Yeah, so of. he doesn't give anything away handball-wise, which is fine. But he leans back and turns his back on the cross while also giving Armstrong way too much space to pick out Danny Ings of all players on the pitch. Fabulous finish from Ings, absolutely. But both Neves and Matinho were just standing there instead of thinking, Danny Ings is in the box as this bloke's about to cross into loads of space, from loads of space. Just extraordinary from a Wolves defensive point of view. And you can't point the finger at Nuno for that. No, Neves is normally quite good at that. You do see him scampering back into the six-yard box to, to, to clear those loose balls. And Cody's so good at that normally as well. But, oh my God. It's just, it was a horrible goal. It remind, It's not the first time it's happened at all it, it was reflective of their first half display in that they were going through the motions but it was also reflective of a host of goals they've conceded recently where they just don't attack the ball in the box and I get a bit of stick on Twitter because people just think I'm a, I'm a Nuno apologist and I'm, I'm defending him at every turn and being too nice to him I think w- when you hear so much from a man you know we hear from him before and after every game at length and he's been very good with the media recently and explained his seasons when you hear him 
constantly saying the same things that are going wrong on the pitch and the players are not enacting those then you, you that's when the the blame turns away from Nuno on a lot of these things and he's been saying for ages for ages that they are not aggressive enough in the box they are not attacking the ball in the box we've picked out examples on this pod before I've written articles about it I've written a whole article about how, how they're so passive in the box it just keeps happening no one is taking charge and and attacking that ball you can point fingers at all of them and as you say and you've brought this up time and again they don't stop crosses coming in it's infuriating they're all at it eight nori and samedo the worst in particular you know johnny's positioning is so good that, that he's pretty good on that but yeah it's it's absolutely infuriating there's no defense for it and i don't understand what they're doing because a ball comes into the box, you should be moving heaven and earth. I don't get who's in your way. Just attack the ball and get rid of it. It's basic defending and they're not doing it. Absolute basics. That's the most infuriating thing. It's not as if they don't have the ability. And you put the Wolves starting 11 against the Southampton one. Wolves, you might say, compare favourably. But when you look at that first half in particular and the dynamism and animation of some of their players, I mean, look at the Wolves midfield. Again, going back to the first half, because we know they're much improved in the second half. Neves and Matinho was so passive and so poor. And you look at the midfield combination of Southampton was Oriol Romeo, so combative. And then you've got the creativity and work rate of James Ward-Prowse. And it's a it's a winning, com- well, I say it's a winning combination. They've lost six in a row in the Premier League. But, you know, it's a combination that, that has a job each. Whereas Neves and Matinho should be so much better than that. And But as you say, time and time again, this is not just one half of football. Not stopping crosses is absolute basic. Think back to Brighton away when eight Nori, it's like powder puff when the cross comes in for their first goal, wasn't it? Chelsea at home. Chelsea at home, they just watched the ball come in and, and Giroud, Giroud got his foot around Bolly, who didn't attack the ball for the opener. There was ones at Burnley away as yeah. well. There were, there were loads more, loads more. It just keeps happening time Okay, again. so that was the first half. Let's move on. Half-time Nuno makes a tactical change. People keep referring back to the tactical change and it did make a big difference. But as you said, it way more than that. And the duels I was keeping an eye on in the first half, the Wolves were just letting Southampton win so many more 60 percent of jules southampton won in the first half 54.5 percent they won in the second half so still more than wolves and and pedro neto mentioned it after the game he said that nuno had told us at half time i think he said about aggression and about winning jules and they came out a different team and tactically different but the attitude was absolutely everything intensity desire tempo all the things you wanted to see first of, and they put it right. Desire first and foremost, yeah. And had a shot, which which yeah, changed oh the God. game. Well, the, the <laughs> whole shot. the whole shot on target, Claxon. I mean, I'm getting it out every game at the moment. I think it was the 79th minute in the cup game, their first shot on target. I presume it was the Neves penalty for this one because they didn't have one in the in the first half. But yeah, just desire, attitude, wanting to win the game, and that's going to be important for the rest of the season because you know, as it stands. They're not really going anywhere in either direction. So um, if they are going to move up the table and make this a decent season, which they're capable of, and there are more than enough points left to do that, and they've got a really decent run of fixtures coming up quite soon against a lot of struggling teams, then they're going to have to show that desire week after week. And Why it wasn't there in the first half, I don't know. I think they do struggle to lift themselves in games. I think the fans have played a big part in that. It's not an excuse, it's just an explanation. I think Wolves have suffered more than most for not having fans in the stadium. And they struggle to kind of hit those hit those levels during matches. So Nuno insisted he wasn't angry with them at half-time and he just kind of made these tactical changes and explained where they were going wrong. And um, 
But whatever he said, I'd love to hear what he said. But whatever he said made um, made a massive difference. In terms of shots on target, I was tweeting about this and keeping track and adding it all up and getting really cross in <laughs> this Southampton Cup game because there was just it was just ridiculous. But there, there was three point seven hours of actual football. There were two shots on target between the last chance against Arsenal and Triori's effort against Southampton in three point seven hours. Fabio Silva was obviously one of those. They've sort of gone back to where they were before they made the formation change. You know. You remember, Jackie, those games that, that we watched, Leicester away, uh, Leeds away, Fulham at home, um, all kind of 1-0 games with nothing in them where Wolves just weren't producing shots on target. They weren't producing excitement. We were calling them boring week after week. That was the tag, boring, boring Wolves every single week. That's why he changed formation. That's why he went to 4-2-3-1. That's when the defence went to pot. And they're still kind of struggling from the after effects of that, I think. So it's a balancing act between trying to be a solid defence and trying to be a more productive attack. And I really like that tactical change you made. I think there's definitely something in that. The one thing you say about Wolves' attack, Neto and Traore are unbelievably talented footballers who can almost take players on at will. They are phenomenal. Close control, fast, explosive, powerful. They're brilliant. The one weakness you'd put at them is that you know where they're going to go. They go into the byline, right? They go into the byline and they're going to stick a cross into the six-yard box. And time and again in recent weeks, those crosses have just gone either, they've either hit the first man or they've gone across the face of goal. William Jose's sort of been a yard behind play or Fabio Silva's been a yard behind play. And these crosses go wasted. So I think it's fantastic that, or I think it's important rather for them to, to start to look at different directions to go to on the field. And cutting inside looks like a, a prolific way of doing that. And they've got Johnny and Samedo on the outside as that outlet. If they do want to cross, but there's no point sticking 15, 20 crosses into the box if no one's going to attack them. So, yeah, try a different method of attack. Yeah, William Jose, been quiet in the last couple of games. He was involved in the Neto wonder goal, by the way. Um, picking up the ball with back to goal, controlled it and gave it to Neves. His positive first-time ball to Neto on the right. And we know what he did. And they absolutely smashed it. And he's had so much credit for that goal. Because it was wonderful. I was watching it thinking, well, it... This is going to be William Jose's first goal here because he, he'd pulled off, he'd made some space and surely Neto was just going to lay it off to him. And I thought he'd hit the side netting because on Amazon Prime he didn't really get too much crowd noise. And I thought, oh, he's hit the side netting and William Jose is going to score. And then he goes away celebrating. I'm like, he's never scored from there. What a goal. Um, f- phenomenal. And like I said, I, I, do, I do want to see more of that from him. Unpredictability in, in attack. And we saw Traore do it against Palace in the third round of the cup when he cut inside and stuck one in the top corner of his left foot his only goal of the season and um, yeah if, if Jose's not going to score many and we know sorry to say Fabio Silva's not going to score many then you've got to say it's up to Neto Troy to step up and Raul Jimenez is finally no longer Wolves' top scorer He's finally been overtaken by Neto now, who's on five. Jimenez was on four. So, yeah, as incredibly talented as these guys are, it's time for Nuno to get more out of them in front of goal. And um, it was sublime finish and a man just right at the top of his game at the moment and getting better week after week. Yeah, five Premier League goals now this season and four assists. Opt to say that's the most of any under-21 player in the competition this campaign. Uh, what a talent he is. Now, on goals, by the way, if you take out the two Ruben Neves penalties, Wolves have only scored three goals in seven matches, including a game at non-league part-time as Chorley, where there was that one shot on target. Now, all three goals have been wonder goals by Portuguese players. Fatinha at Chorley, Moutinho against Arsenal, 
and Neto at Southampton. What does that say about Wolves? Uh, that they've got the talent to score amazing goals and they should be scoring more of them. Um, but yeah, they're, 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 they haven't got a consistent route to goal. Like I said, what they've been trying to do is cross, 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 cross across the face. And William Joseph, more often than not, has been slightly behind play. Most, well, more often than not, because he's trying to he's trying to set it up to begin with and he's the one that's starting the attacking moves. So it's, it's a little bit too much to ask for him to be all things to all men. Um, so yeah, this this is something they've got to work on. If they can get the defensive rigidity back, then they've got to start working on different routes to goal. Paul Mansell says, do you think that inverted wingers could have been tried before, given that we're not getting many bodies in the box for crosses from wide positions? Hopefully we can see Traore cutting in and shooting too. That's pretty much what you've just said. William Jose, looking at his stats, five appearances now, including 20 minutes as a sub at Chelsea. No goals, eight shots, four of them on target and one cross, one big chance missed. What was the big chance he missed? Do you recall that? Um, Palace away, I think, when he okay. uh, headed from six yards. Gotcha. Um, so credit to him for his part in the Neto goal. Fabio Silva, 18 Premier League appearances now. They've won five of those games and lost 10. Six of them starts, two goals, including that penalty at Burnley. He's had 24 shots in those 18 appearances, seven of them on target and two big chances missed with no assists. I mean, do you agree with me, Tim, that when I look at him, and particularly when I saw him on the team sheet against Southampton in the Cup, I just thought we're not going to see the best of him as a target man. He doesn't seem to be a target man. As Glenn Hoddle said, he said it before in commentary when he's done Wolves, he said he doesn't see him as a main man up front. He sees him as a number 10, or he said recently on the wing, which which Wolves fans disagree with in that respect. But he needs players around him to get the best out of him, doesn't he? He's, I don't think he's ever going to be... You don't think you get many footballers who are target men at that age. You know, They, 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 they need to bring up, build up their strength and experience. Being a target man is all about being a team player and he hasn't played much football. He hasn't played much top-level football at all. This is it. He's learning on the job. You, you won't get you won't get many players in world football playing at this level that, that are target men at his age. He's got to bulk out and he's got to gain experience. So it'll be interesting to see what, what they do in the summer as to if they bring a striker in. We'll see what happens with William Jose. He's going to have to start scoring um, before long. You know, what, 12, uh, 14 games left this season. He'll need to score a few if they're going to justify spending that amount of money on a 29-year-old in the summer. But I think uh, what they can't do is go into next season with, as they did this season, with Silver as the only backup. And I'll be interested to see if they maybe look at sending him out on loan because, you know, like so many young players, and Morgan Gibbs-White, I did a piece on last week, comparing him to the likes of Harvey Barnes and James Madison and Mason Mount, how all their all their careers were sparked by a season in the championship, all of them. And the amount of minutes they've played compared to Gibbs White is um, at his age, when they were his age, is frightening. So Gibbs White just needs to get out and play, has to get out and play to realise that potential. And I think we, we may come to a situation with, where it's the same with Fabio Silva. Mm. I mean, there's that Harry Redknapp clip that did the rounds on social media from Soccer Saturday at the weekend. He was asked by Jeff Stelling why Wolves spent £35 million on an 18-year-old with one league start and goal to his name. And he said, well, I can guess, much hilarity in the studio, who's his agent? Now, that's gone around a lot and a lot of people are thinking, well, it's a Mendes carve-up. But actually, that's not, I mean, we've said this before, but just to remind people, that's not your understanding from the people you've spoken to at the club. No, I mean, it's it's, it's a flippant comment, isn't it? That's, that's going to get loads 
loads of likes on Twitter, you know, and I know it's hard it's hard for people like Harry Redknapp and pundits and whatnot because, you know, they're asked for their opinions on a wide range of topics and, you know, they're not going to have the time to, to fully research it, each and every single one in depth. But, yeah, as far as a Fabio Silva signing goes, I spoke to people at the time before, before he'd even joined and they scouted him for, for two years and they thought uh, he was the best striker of his age group in European football. So kind of 17, 18, in terms of playing in youth football, which of course is so different to playing men's football, but in terms of playing in youth football in Portugal and for Portugal around Europe in the international youth competitions, they felt he was the best of his age group. That's their judgment. And when the offer came, the opportunity came to buy him, which of course comes via Mendes, even though he's not his agent, for 35 million, they felt... Okay, that's a massive gamble. He's not worth thirty-five million, but he could be, and they see enormous potential in him. And we'll see if he realizes that. I mean, it's easy to kind of laugh at him now because all these sitters he's missing. But you look at his movement. I was saying to someone the other day, if if he'd scored, I know he scored two so far. If he'd scored five, everyone would be thinking, "My goodness, this guy's got potential." And I know that's quite a flippant and easy thing to say, but. So much of goal scoring is about confidence and no one else in this Wolf squad has been scoring goals consistently. If he just manages to get two, three or four, then I think you'll see a different Fabio Silva, to be honest. But as always, with young players, it's about playing regularly and being confident and being developed and nurtured. He hasn't really had the chance to do this season. So um, we'll see how it goes. It's going to be a talking point for a while, that one. But yeah, Redknapp's comments are just a bit flippant. Yeah, and... I think some people are looking at Fabio Silva and thinking they're not seeing enough. They're not seeing the potential that has been spotted before. But I think it was an important point to make, the one that you do, about the fact that they had scouted him and it wasn't just a case of Mendes is his agent and he's flogged some kid who's not done anything to Wolves because Wolves will do everything they say. I think it's important to make that point because that's not the case here. And it's, it's also important to state that Wolves weren't expecting much from Fabio Silva this season. They really weren't. So um, he's played far more minutes than they would have liked him to as well. By the way, we could mention Joel Linton at Newcastle, cost £40 million. He scored three goals in 55 Premier League appearances. And there are plenty other examples of huge name strikers coming in. Far more senior, far more experienced, internationals, um, and uh, not scoring anywhere like the number of goals that you would expect. He's, he's, he's a kid, Jackie. Yeah, look at absolutely. Jamie Vardy, look at, look at Harry Kane. Harry Kane, you know, at Norwich and Millwall on loan, I think he barely scored. Raul Jimenez, 18, what was he doing? You know, this, it takes time. I know there's not much patience around at the moment, but you've, you've got to be patient with the lad. And I think people are really looking at the options they had in the summer window if they were going to spend that money. Most Wolves fans would say, especially with the benefit of hindsight, that they should have maybe invested it in a ready-made centre midfielder or centre-half or striker or whatever, rather than spending that money. But I think that's more the point rather than just pointing the finger at poor old Fabio Silva, who wasn't expected to play anywhere near the number of minutes that he has. It was a gamble that just hasn't paid off in terms of not having senior backup. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. So looking back to Southampton home in the cup, we don't need to go mad over it. It has been pulled over by plenty of people, but we do have to mention the starting lineup, which when we looked at it, 
we thought seeing Bettina and Morgan Gibbs-White with Fabio Silva up front, it looked to us that Nuno was prioritising the Premier League game rather than the FA Cup game, which was completely baffling to Wolves fans. So what's your take on that? I was pretty angry, really, that, that they'd sort of thrown the cup away. And like, you know, me and you were messaging at half four saying, oh, I'm not sure, not sure fancy us tonight. And I think most people thought the same. It sort of felt like they'd lost at half four on a Thursday afternoon, which is pretty unusual in itself. But yeah, once that team sheet came out, and you've got seven career goals from your front three. And I was just disappointed with the fact that they let Southampton off the hook. And Southampton came in with probably as bad as low a confidence as you can get at the moment. They've lost five in a row in the league. They've been wallops 9-0 a week before. They lost to nine-man Newcastle, which is embarrassing enough. And they arrive at Molyneux. And like, like we were saying earlier, Jackie, like you, you want to get at them and you want to test that confidence. And I think you know if you get the first goal against Southampton, then you probably win the game. Otherwise, you give them a huge confidence boost with that team sheet, and then you start the game as they do. It was just it was entirely predictable. And without Cody, they lacked organisation. I don't think Southampton's opening goal happens with Cody on the field because it was all about the offside line, which he's so good at, at regimenting. And um, yeah, the front three, we're, we're never going to do the business, I'm afraid. And, you know, I always look for balance and reasons and explanations when things go wrong. And whenever Nuno's made mistakes this season, I've always tried to explore why he's made that decision. And, you know, you put your opinion forward, you, you put what Nuno's trying to do, and you let fans decide, really, wh whether they agree or not. On this occasion, I was writing my piece uh, uh, after the game, and I thought, I, I can't defend that, to be honest. I just can't defend that. And... You know, gave him the opportunity after the game to sort of explain why he did it, and I asked him, "Do you regret your lineup?" And he said no, and he didn't really go into depth on injuries or fatigue or anything like that. He just said, um, "It's big picture, and these are the decisions we've got to make." And he said he wanted to see four in midfield, as in with Gibbs, White, and Vitinha making it a four. And I'm like, "Are you joking? This is basically the biggest game of the season, really." Um, and uh, season effectively over if he's not already in a few weeks' time. So really, really disappointing. Does Sunday justify it? Not for me, but he will say yes, and he says it's more about the big picture. It reminded me a little bit, actually, of... Do you remember when Mick McCarthy changed all 10 outfield players at Man mm, United in yeah, the league? Yeah. I think it was 2009, because he'd obviously thought that they had very little chance of winning that game, but they had a much better chance of beating Burnley a few days later. It was five days later, I think. And so he was hammered for that. Only Marcus Arneman stayed in goal, changed all the other players. And then there was huge pressure on him then to beat Burnley at home, which they did. And he felt vindicated, but he got into all sorts of trouble, absolutely hammered for it. Um, and so it's a good job that Nuno won this game because at half time on Sunday, I was thinking he's going to get absolutely battered from the Wolves fans for this because they just felt he'd brought it all on himself. Well, from what I gather, it's more to do with medical reasons rather than prioritising specifically the Premier League over the FA Cup. And it's not like saying we've got two matches coming up here, which one's more important? I think it's more of a medical issue and, and players heading towards red zones and, and things like that and, and, and are at risk of picking up more injuries, which, which you know, you can understand to an extent. But the way that I look at it is in the last two and a half months, so since the start of December, coincidentally uh, the start of the period they've had without Jimenez, in the last two and a half months they've played 14 games. In the next two and a half months they've got eight games. So 
there is time now. There is an easy an easy schedule in terms of one game a week. They've got one midweek game for the rest of the season, which is in May. So it's a really fine balancing act, and this is the toughest season that anyone's had in terms of getting your players through it and fatigue and injuries and time off and everything. It's the worst season for everybody. I get that. But it was such it was it was such an important game. It's FA Cup fifth round. They got Bournemouth. They would have got Bournemouth away in the quarter final. You're one game from Wembley. You're two games from winning a tournament. Wolves have not won a tournament for 41 years. That will now be 42. I'm not saying they would have won the FA Cup, but this is why we would have got them into Europe as well. The, exactly, and this, exactly their best chance of getting into Europe. So this is why we love the game. You know, to see them win trophies and to sort of give it away like that. It was extremely disappointing. Well, let's hear from Nuno as to his reasoning. He was asked. After the cup game, he didn't give too much of an answer of any note. Then he was asked by Hector Nunes on Sunday afternoon after the victory in the Premier League. This is what Nuno had to say. I understand everything. I understand all the opinions and I respect them a lot, especially from our friends. I respect them more than anyone else. Um, and I, I know that they are at home, but they are engaged with the team. They, they are aware of the situations, but they are not totally aware of everything that's happening. So we have to realize what's happening. For example, William, he came from Spain. He fly, he play against Chelsea, he play against Palace, um, and he play against Leicester. Uh, you know, in all these games, all these minutes, Pedro the same, Adama the same, um, whatever, whatever. What we look is the big, the big picture. It's not about about the game himself. So what we have to do so our players can again produce their best performances. And, and when you consider that the player is on the edge of, of his, or, or his limits of his, uh, of his uh, fitness and he can danger uh, or produce any kind of injuries, we have to be very, very, very aware of that and make the right decisions, even if someone is not going to understand, but you are decided uh, and convicted to do so. So, Tim, it's good to hear from Nuno there. Good to hear his reasoning, because he obviously had reasons behind the decisions. And I asked a top, very, very top football sports scientist about this, because we'd had a question in about it. Was that the reason that Nuno had made so many changes? And the response I got back was, I'd say that players are involved in intensive and integrated monitoring systems these days. The high-performance staff will have advice and guidelines based on player status. It involves injury status, wellness monitoring, recovery status, verbal, visual feedback and GPS training and match loads. Depending on the accumulated physical loads a player has amassed, then the sports science team, along with the medical, will always make a recommendation. But ultimately, it's up to the manager to have the final say in terms of selection. This would be part of the bigger game plan and player management conversation. I think well, the key the key phrase in Nuno's audio there for me was was on the edge. So yeah, there is there is data that we will never be privy to, and yes, all these levels are, you know are taken at the start of the season, and it's as you can imagine, it's an extremely scientific and detailed process as to the the health and well being of the players. And like I said, all these levels are taken at the start of the season. This is what you should be on if you, if you're fully fit and you're match sharp. And if they're dipping way below those levels, then then they're risking injuries. And you know they've had a lot of injuries this season, and I'm sure that's played a key part of it. I mean, you, you've also got to point out it's not a given that Wolves' first team would have beaten Southampton because you know, Wolves have not been winning matches recently and they haven't been scoring goals. So 
even if Neto, Troyer and Josie were on the field, it's not guaranteed they would have won. Obviously, it would have given them a much better chance of winning. And the one thing I did disagree with Nuno there, kind of saying we need to give young players a chance to kind of see what they're like and, and we'll look into next season as well. I'm, I'm not, I'd agree with that because of, the, because of the importance of the game, personally. But I guess that's where Nuno differs. So uh, the league is more important to him than, than the Cup. I think you've seen that with the two selections. So... You've also got to point out, again, that, that they were the stronger team in the second half at St Mary's. And maybe fatigue played a part in that. Southampton didn't make as many changes. Pretty much a strong team. Most of them played again at St Mary's. For Wolves, that wasn't the case. And Wolves looked fresher in the second half, you've got to say. So, again, does that justify it? Not for me, but in Nuno's eyes, it does. Should we just forget about Southampton now? Oh, we've had enough, we've had enough of them for one year, haven't we? <laughs> Leeds United at Molyneux on Friday night, 8pm kickoff on BT Sport. Now, Leeds have suffered two defeats in the last three league games, having won away at both Leicester and Newcastle before that. They seem to have taken over Wolves' mantle as the entertainers. I mean, Wolves are described as boring now by the pundits, but Leeds are the entertainers and everyone who's neutral just loves watching them. Oh, they're, they're absolutely fantastic to watch. Um, I think the, the, the key with Leeds is how, how do you stop them scoring? Um, it doesn't happen too often. Uh, Spurs and Brighton both managed it at the start of January, but otherwise uh, there aren't many occasions where, I think there's only four occasions where um, teams have stopped Leeds scoring in the league this season. However, one of those was Wolves, and they did a good number on them at Ellen Road. And um, I said Road, they looked slightly in the first half with a couple of opportunities, but otherwise they kept Leeds pretty quiet and um, got the goal from Jimenez, uh, fortuitous goal in the second half, and ground out a, a victory. And I wonder if it'll be a similar approach on Friday because uh, well, we say it with Wolves time and again, if they're going to open up and go for a basketball game, then what? Well, that's not really a. It's not Nuno's style, but b. That's playing into Leeds' hands, really. So I wouldn't expect to see that. I'd, I'd, I'd expect to see them try and keep it tight and 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 look for goals on the break through Neto and Traore, which is you know, which they're, which then which they're normally pretty good at when they're all on form. So um, the key will be to try and stop Leeds scoring. But like I said, Wolves have already managed that once this season, which uh, many teams have not. Yeah, I spoke to Leeds United commentator uh, about them and uh, his overall assessment is great start to Premier League life, but Bielsa has been criticised a little more this season for seeming stubbornness over selection, but he's nearly always right, he says. It's a very, very difficult game to predict, bearing in mind that Leeds United are so difficult to predict and we don't know which half Wolves are going to play well, whether it's the first half or the second half. It's usually one of them, but rarely both. It is difficult to predict. I mean, I said this in last week's pod that it'd be really good to have some consistent team selections now. And uh, I thought Kilman was really unlucky to lose his place. But if you are going to go with, with Saiz, who had... Uh, who had a decent game at St Mary's, then I'd like to see this 11 for the next few weeks. You know, we're not expecting Bolly back just yet. We're not expecting Pedence back just yet. So hopefully this team can now, if they're going to select the same 11 every week, start to build up a bit of consistency. They've got seven points from nine in the league, which is great, something to build on. And hopefully those confidence levels can start to return a bit now. Wolves went above Southampton by beating them. They got a chance to go above Leeds by beating them as well. Leeds... Oh, it's honestly, the table is It really is. What a great start to the season Southampton had. The best start ever to a Premier League campaign. And now they're just without the blow Wolves. And we think of Wolves as not having had a great start to the season. In fact, think of this as being a really poor season after the last two finishing seventh. But I checked up earlier, and, and after the same number of games last season, Wolves only had four more points. Bearing in mind they've been without Raul Jimenez since November, 
They only had four more points last season at this stage and they had Raul for every single game of last season. Well, I was saying to someone yesterday that you, you've probably lost about six points with Jimenez, I'd say. You, I think that's a fair guess. If Jimenez had played every game since December, they'd probably have about six more points. Uh, and yeah, and, and they'd be above where they were this time last year. Um, they're only 10 points behind Liverpool, which I know says more about Liverpool than Wolves, but, but still. Um, and they're potentially only seven points off Europe. If Europe is seventh this season... The, the teams that are doing well, the most consistent teams, it's, it's pretty obvious. Man City, obviously, who've coped brilliantly with in terms of squad rotation and, and managing their players. Um, and if you go on a bit of a run, you quickly move up or down. West Ham came from nowhere. They're in the top six. Southampton have dropped like a stone. Um, and if Wolves put some consistent form together, they've got four, 14 games here. I know we're kind of saying, in all likelihood, the season might peter out, but... There are 14 games here. If they can put a run together, then um, then a really decent finish and looking at kind of I don't know, top seven, top eight, is um, could be on. Yeah, I, I know it's fair to judge them. It's fair to judge Nuno. It's, it's fair to judge the players. But I, I do think there's just something. There'll always be an asterisk on this season as being a weird season with so many different circumstances. And we heard from Matt Wilde last week, the general manager of football operations, as to how difficult it is just for players to go about the daily business and the daily lives. And I know it's the same for everyone, but uh, it is just a weird old season. Um, Connor Cody will be playing his 100th Premier League game for Wolves, assuming he starts against Leeds, um, bearing in mind one of his appearances in the Premier League was uh, for Liverpool. So his 100th for Wolves, it'll be just ahead of his um, 28th birthday next week as well. And uh, by the way, you know, it was Valentine's Day on Sunday. I'm still waiting my card from my husband, but anyway. Was it? I missed it. <laughs> Facebook reminded me that on February the 14th, four years ago, I was sitting in the drizzle at Molyneux watching Wolves lose at home to Wigan in the championship. That was the middle of a six-match losing run under Paul Lambert with four of those games at home. And it also, Facebook reminded me that two years later... Wolves were seventh in the Premier League under Nuno in the middle of an eight-game unbeaten run and heading for the FA Cup semi-finals and Europe. So in that two years, it just shows you what a ridiculous job Nuno did. Um, bearing in mind, they've since finished seventh still again. Uh, surely he's got loads of credit in the bank and people need to be remembering this in Nuno We Trust slogan and not just putting it into practice when it suits them after a decent performance. Not talking about excuses really, just talking about explanations. I, th- I think you can explain a lot of the problems this season and we've, we've gone through them at length. No pre-season, injuries... Uh, the pandemic, everything. Um, you're sure they've made mistakes in recruitment and you know changing the formation too soon, perhaps. But he's got an awful lot of credit in the bank, and I think any talk of him not being good enough for Wolves is ludicrous. Really, I think I think if, if you're gonna if you're gonna predict how he how he leaves Wolves, it, it'd be him leaving for another club. I, I still think that, or 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 resigning. It certainly wouldn't be Wolves sacking him. He's the best thing that's happened to Wolves in decades. Yeah, seconded. I find some of the criticism bizarre. Um, in terms of his future, criticism's fine, but in terms of his future, absolutely bizarre. And um, Now, are you ready for some really quick-fire question and answers? Because we've had some really good tweets, but we're so short of time. Is that okay? Tegan Clamp, do you think Wolves should play four at the back for the rest of the season so the players get used to playing it and we get more goals? No, no. No. Richard, what's happened to Owen Ottasawi? Looked good when he played. Now he hasn't been given much time at all. Could he have played in the cup? 
I think he could have done, but he's, he's probably suffered from the fact that the team's been so low on confidence, and it's probably the it's probably the wrong time to introduce a kid into the heart of the team in midfield. You know, when you're really struggling, you look to your experienced players. So I think that's probably why. Harry McRae, how does Joao Matinho keep getting picked? I appreciate his experience, great player, etc. But other than the second half against Arsenal, against ten and then nine men, he's been consistently poor this season, yet always gets picked. Yeah, I guess that's the that's the problem with the Donker at centre half is that is that you're not going to be able to change the midfield now. That 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 is an issue. Yeah, need more strength in depth there. Ted Parton, please would you assess? He's always so polite, Ted. Please would you assess what will happen to players like Raúl, Neto, and Neves if, as currently expected, we finish without European football next season? Would Foson sanction this in order to raise funds for incomings? Uh, I think if you look at what they did last summer, um, I mean, they didn't do it very well because things became so disruptive. But, you know, they sold Jota and, and Doherty and, and reinvested that money in the team. I think we'll see the same again. You know, we we, we know that Foson have asked for investment that hasn't come over the past 18 months. You know, we know that they, they want Wolves to be self-sustainable and profitable. So I don't see them going out and spending 100 million on new players and not selling anyone at the same time. And I think if you're looking at identifying potential players to leave, Traore would be very high on that list because um, he's such a unique player that he can command a big fee, even if he's got no goals and no assists for the entire season, which is still the case. And I know it's not as simple as that, but still that is a a frightening stat. And he hasn't signed a new contract. He's stalling on a new contract. He wants more money than they're prepared to give him. So at the moment, I would say he'd, he'd be the most likely one that they could get big money for that they could sell in the summer and reinvest in the team. But we'll see. He wants more money, yet he's not provided a single assist or goal. Yeah, and like we've said before, it's not just about assists because he does create chances that that, that go unrewarded. But still, um, he needs to raise his game if he's going to get a new contract. If if that doesn't happen, then I, I can see the money that Wolves will get for him that that he could potentially leave in the summer. Because the squad certainly doesn't look balanced at the moment in terms of what they need and what they have. That's just my prediction, by the way. Before all these all these clickbait. Uh, HITC websites do stories saying Spears says Wolves Wolves set to sell Traore. That's just my opinion. It's not based on, on information from speaking to people at the club. And on that theme, Matt Whitten asked, do we realistically think the club are going to invest in a centre midfielder and centre back in the summer, which are first team ready? This will take a massive outlay. So you're saying, are you saying they need to and therefore they're likely to sell? They need a new. They need a new defender. I think. I think you look at the balance of the team and and, and where your strengths are. I think. You, I think if you can get a lot of money for Troy and re- reinvest that in a top class centre half who can potentially transform Wolves' formation and style of play, then then you then you probably do it. And Mark Bromley, after the poor recruitment of the last few windows, do you think we'll still rely as heavily on George Mendes in what will be a huge summer for us addressing the huge issues that we have in the squad? Surely it's time to broaden our sights and options. Yeah, but this is this is the bed they've made, and Mendes has, has done some unbelievable deals for Wolves over the years. Um, Moutinho for five million, uh, Bolly was ten, Neves was fifteen, Jota was thirteen million. Jota and he gets sold for forty-five a few years later. So he's done some incredible deals for this club, and they would not be where they are without him. Um, but equally, it's not always going to work, and I think we've seen the bad side of it this year, and there. Are, all sorts of issues and we could do a whole podcast on what happens when when it's time for Nuno to leave Wolves and you've got his best mate Mendes being in such an influential position but um, I don't see it changing um, purely because you know they've got Scott Sellers in um, as technical director you know he, he's not got experience of top level European recruitment at all you know he's just done an academy recruitment so they haven't brought him into that position to, to, to really oversee a recruitment drive in the summer it's going to be Mendes running the show again 
Um, but he has done he's done some incredible deals for Wolves in the past. So let's hope he's um, let's hope he can sort some more out this summer. Absolutely. And um, any other business? Well done to the Wolfpack Howlers for their twelve hundred pounds that they've raised independently, but as part of the Feed Our Pack campaign run by the Wolves Foundation. Absolutely brilliant. Do watch back the YouTube concert, which they played live on Thursday night. It's on YouTube. It's called Play For Our Pack, the Wolfpack Howlers. Brilliant job by Liam and the boys. And that's a really good watch as well. And Kenny Jacket, we wish all the very best at Portsmouth. They've said that from Thursday, he'll not be in attendance at matches or training sessions after a medical procedure that will require a short period of rest and recuperation. We wish him well. I'm actually doing the Portsmouth game on Saturday for Sky, um, but I, I do wish him well. I was looking forward to seeing him. Uh, and the Wolves women, I gather they are still not able to train. They've had no word from the National League and they're hoping for some announcements soon with some good news. Um, we'll hear from Boris, won't we, on Monday about what the plan is. But it's really, really hard for them having won all the league games so far and, and having the season curtailed last season, heading for promotion. Uh, but we wish all the players well. They're doing all their strength and conditioning work on their own, trying to keep themselves motivated and fit but we wish them all the best anything else you'd like to say to him uh, yeah continuous good news on on Raul Jimenez's recovery which Nuno has, has spoken about recently and you know he's been on social media a lot lately in the gym also pictured outside on the grass uh, I saw a story the other day saying he's back out on the grass for the first time you know just to stress that's not the case he's, he's been out running for a while so that's nothing new um but just to kind of dampen people's hopes of a, of a quick... Well, in fact, you know what? People aren't calling for him to come back because everyone knows how important it is for him to take his time. But just to kind of stress, he's not going to be in the first team anytime soon just because he's out running. You know, running's got nothing to do with, with, with a fractured skull. So um, they've been very protective and thoughtful in terms of his recovery. Um, but he had an appointment with... with um, he had a medical appointment a, a week or so ago, a week or 10 days ago, and got very good results, which Nuno was talking about um, in a press conference recently. So it's all good. It's all optimistic. But yes, yeah, still absolutely no rush uh, to get him back. Yeah, I don't think anybody wants to rush him back. Just want him back when he's good and ready. I wouldn't mind seeing him and William Jose up front, by the way. That would cause a few teams some problems. What do you reckon? 4-4-2 with those Next two? season, Bab. Next season, Champions League, here we go. Yes. <laughs> we shall see. Talking of Champions League, it's coming back. So now's a good time to subscribe to The Athletic for half the price of an annual subscription. That's less than a pound a week for an entire year. Go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash Wolves pod. Tim and I will be back next Tuesday morning where we belong in your regular podcast inbox. Bye for now. The Athletic. <laughs>